0: Welcome to Story Notes, a podcast that invites world-class audio producers to showcase their exclusive features. I'm David Maguire. In this episode, we welcome back Michael Umney with another fairly controversial piece.
1: Okay, so I have got a piece that I made a very, very long time ago for me, nine years ago. It's pretty much the first piece of radio I ever made. It's an audio portrait of a gamekeeper uh, called Gerald Turner. He was the gamekeeper of Knoll uh, Park in Sevenoaks in Kent, where I'm from. And from a very young age, he would take me out with him shooting rabbits. So until I... Probably till I was about 16, we'd hang out uh, maybe once a month and he'd introduce me to countryside stuff. It's interesting that I went and decided to interview him straight away. Sounds intriguing. Please, could you introduce it for us? Yeah. This is... When the keepers they were sleeping, Redux. Right, let's press play.
2: The rifle cost me three hundred and eighty pounds, and I shot four hundred, five hundred rabbits in a very short time—couple of couple of months, I suppose—and that paid for that rifle. Right, let's see if we can find a rabbit. Was aimed, here we.
0: I was young and in Don't you think it was okay
2: I've always dabbled in keepering and you know animals, all that sort of thing. Where you get involved with animals and you've got to look after animals, albeit cows, pigs, deer, pheasants. My mother worked on a farm and she took all the children with her to save paying for a babysitter and it started from there. And when I was 14, 15 I suppose I got friendly with the keeper boy there on the farm and I helped the gamekeeper out. Then, Then I bought myself a gun through the post. There was a single barrel Spanish job They used to advertise it in the local paper for about, I don't know what it was, five or six pounds or something. Because you didn't need licences and permits in them days. You just went round the post office and sort of bought a shotgun licence for five shillings. And then away you went. Loaded it. That's one up spell. In those days, you didn't have restrictions like you do now, so you could walk out with your gun under your arm and your dog by your side, walk down the road, do your job for the morning, come back, shoot, shoot your rabbits or whatever you bring home and then sell them on the way home. All the people come out of their house and say, oh yeah, I'll I'll have a couple of rabbits. I'll have a pheasant that you poached. And the time you got home, my mum would say, did you shoot anything? Yeah, I've got 10 rabbits and a pheasant. Where are they then? I sold them down the road. Bit of pocket money. (laughs) Kids don't want to go out now, do they? Most of them, not shooting things. Everything revolves around education now. Whereas in the past, it wasn't quite so much education unless you was from a wealthy family. And mere sort of paupers like I come from, I come from. Um, education wasn't that important really, so long as you read and write and add up a few numbers, count your wages, sort of mattered really. I
0: am my job!
2: through here. we might kind to see a couple up the other
0: side there the other side of the plantation there's a bit of a, a ride right up through
2: when when we done it you, you went out and you, you shot rabbits you shot vermin you wouldn't be invited on a peasant shoot because it was only the gentry that done that or the posh people done that um, but nowadays, there aren't any posh people as such. But there's wealthy people. You know, you can get your millionaire next door. That's only an old builder or a scrap dealer. But in the past, you see, scrap dealers, they used to go about on awesome car. They didn't. They weren't millionaires. And uh, they do it because they can afford to do it. As simple as that. But there's no etiquette. In it. You know, they've got no manners. Old oh, Lordy, Old oh, Lord Zackville um, He was gentry. he come from the old school. You called him Sir, or you call him lord, which means nothing really. That's only, it's only being polite really. And politeness doesn't cost anything, does it? And it keeps everyone happy. But now you see the new blood. They don't want to be called lord or Sir or nothing like that. They want to call Bill or Fred. But there's going to be a time when where someone's gonna push above you or by you and you're gonna get a little bit niffed over it. And you're gonna say, well, look here, do you know who I am? You say, no, cause no one's ever told me. You wanted to be called Bill or Fred. See, not Sir Basil what's it? But if he's Sir Basil what's it to start with, you think, oh, well, he's a, you know. So instead of calling him Fred, you say, sir. It costs nothing, does it? The old Lord, he would come out and work alongside you. And he wanted to be like you rather than you be like him. See what I mean? <laughs> so you're still, well, you're not muckers or anything like that, it doesn't come into it, but but you still know your place. And he knows his place.
0: Before I could get half a field
2: what probably is someone will see me driving across here now because I haven't been out for a while and they're <laughs> the, the phone will ring in They say, someone driving about in the park. There's a rabbit down there, look. And I used to spend a lot of time shooting and ferreting and oh, probably every day of an evening, weekend. Be shooting pigeons through the summer, rabbits, pheasants, squirrels through the winter. Being able to wander about without any you know, anybody pestering you. Like they do nowadays, you see, if you go out now you're just as likely to get the armed response to come and give you a visit, you know, before you've even got out of the Because people are so thingy about guns nowadays. They watch too much Blue Peter, and they're all conservationists, so-called. I don't think anyone that's walking about with a gun is, you know, some sort of terrorist. He's gone. Or is another one? Here's yeah, another one. That's got you. Where's the other? There he is. Small for the camera. People said to they cull the deer, and what happens to the dead ones? Do they go to the butchers? Well, no, not really. You don't want to eat a dead deer, do you? They've got to be shot. But when when you tell them they've been shot, God, you know, it, it worries them. But if you can do it discreetly, the uh, job's got to be done. But if you can do it discreetly, then no one's any the wiser, so it doesn't matter, does it? Everyone's happy, the job's being done. But if you. Try and draw attention to yourself, then people complain. Um, And Unless you do it properly, um, you're going to get problems, as simple as that. If you just leave the job alone to the people that know what they're doing, then the job will get done. These agents, they spend their time, their five years or whatever it is, learning to be a land agent, and then they come and you know, 25-year-old and start telling you how to do your job, you know, it goes a bit against the grain sometimes. But then they come back to you and say, oh, well, this should be done, that should be done. And then you say, well, I thought you was doing it, you've got it all in hand, you've got, and when it doesn't work out, then you come back to me and say, well, you should be helping them out. Perhaps I should be, I don't know, but I feel that, uh, Perhaps I don't want to Let him get on with it <laughs> and see how, you get it, see how they go. We're going to pick that other one up. Poor Charlie comes round and takes to the wife's supper. I picked her off and a broken
0: neck I'm still made for cash
2: What's up, Abbie? I
0: tell I had better be annoyed.
2: have the same attraction as it used to have I don't think because it's different times I think and um, I think as you as you get a bit older you tend to think I'd rather see that pheasant walking about in the garden really because you know at one time if I see a pheasant you know I'd be able to track it down until I got it you see but uh, you know I think the old pheasant comes in here sometimes I think oh he's quite happy really isn't he Hey, everyone's gotta live, haven't they?
0: When the keeper sleeping. Wow, what what a powerful feature. It had Thank a you. surprising turn of events in my mind. The fact that he's changed his mindset towards pheasants. Um is quite unexpected, very moving even. You've even put a ticking clock there to symbolise that change in that change in time.
1: Yeah, I think It's all about time passing, isn't it, that piece? Yeah. It's about change and ambiguous feelings about change. He's got a very nuanced position in lots of ways, although I'm sure in lots of other ways he doesn't. But people from positions where you might expect them to be reactionary, I think, often can surprise us.
0: You do get the sense that he doesn't have an angle on it. You know, he's he, he comes across as very traditional and he's not trying to masquerade as anything else. He's just being himself.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting because you'll meet, obviously, like, if you hang around in rural circles you'll meet like in any with any other controversial subjects you'll meet people who are just very much on a party line you know sound like they've swallowed the countryside alliance press pack it's much more interesting to find out what conclusions people have come to by themselves again this is all about nuance isn't it i'm not coming down publicly in this interview on one side or another but i'm saying that like there's a lot more nuance in all of this stuff working class experience can often be presented as entirely disempowered and as an idea that like somehow working class people need middle class intellectuals to come and empower them and it's just a, it's kind of a massive <laughs> A serious misunderstanding of actual lived experience, I think.
0: He did seem to come into his own when you were out and about. And especially when he caught that rabbit, you know, you could really hear that joy in his, in his voice. And at the same time, you realise that he's actually killed something. So it's a bit of a paradox in my mind.
1: But it's funny because the rifle is, is silenced as well. So if I wounded a rabbit rather than killing it outright he would make a big deal of getting out of the Land Rover and picking the rabbit up and breaking its neck in front of me and that was a very good way of demonstrating that I had a really important responsibility to get this thing right. Well it's interesting really because
0: as the listener you wouldn't necessarily know that you as the producer were at all involved in this activity and I'm sure that's on purpose but I kind of assumed that you wouldn't
1: be. Yes, well, no, I mean, absolutely, normally, and that's tricky as well because then you've got to, you've got to be really strict with yourself. I think the ending allowed me a get out basically. If he had been unrepentant, it would have been. Or if he hadn't changed in any way, it would have been much harder to make the program. I will I will say that most people who are involved in the killing of animals and aren't to make a huge generalisation. This is what I'm trying to work on a lot, actually, is this dichotomy of, like, how can you say you care if you kill? And I've got no answer to that question.
0: Well, interestingly, at the beginning, he says, I always wanted to work with animals, but the fact he says this is really intriguing to me, because, you know, you're working with animals, but then again, it's his job to kill them. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, and I have memories of him taking me to see like fox cubs playing. Nice. Just to watch them playing. And new newborn deer, if I was like the first amazing things that you'd never see unless there was someone like that's living there and knew where they were.
0: So obviously you've known him for quite a long time. That definitely comes
1: across. Yeah, I've known him since I was about two, yeah.
0: So Would he have been as open to you in your questioning, do you think, if that relationship wasn't so strong and already didn't exist?
1: I'm sure not. No, I mean, the better relationship you've developed with your interview subject, obviously, before you interview them, the better the interview's going to be by far. And the longer you can spend with people, even just on the day of the recording, it's exponentially improved. So if you've got that relationship with someone, I think it makes a huge difference. I think I was slightly uncomfortable with what I was doing. Because, like, you don't see someone for a few years, then you look them up and demand to interview them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but of course, that is the kind of thing that you do as a documentary maker. <laughs> I would be very
0: interested to hear you interviewed within this piece. How do you feel if you went back to the scene, you know, 10 years later? How, how would you feel? Would you consider it
1: even? I don't think I've spoken to him since I made this piece. And doing this interview and listening to this, I really, really, really want to talk to him. I probably will now. He's retired, uh, and I believe from my parents, who are in touch with him, that he hasn't shot anything since he retired for the best part of a decade. That feeling he was describing at the end, my understanding is, has grown even stronger. And I think this is not uncommon amongst people who've spent their whole lives doing that kind of work. Another subject I find really interesting and I would love to talk to what I'm interested in trying to do now is to to try and talk to a much wider cross section of people from rural backgrounds about these and other subject uh, matters to try and kind of get an even a more complete feel for how people think and feel about some of these subjects. Thanks so much Michael. It's great having you on the
0: show. Would you mind telling us where we could find out more about you and maybe where people could listen to more of your work?
1: You can hear more of my work uh, on my website, which is x y z, and I promise that very little more of it is about killing animals.
0: Thank you again so much to our guest for this episode, Michael Umney. It was a real treat having him on. And thank you as well for listening. And if you enjoyed it, please press that subscribe button and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever. And it really does help. Once again, a huge thank you to my colleague Alice Homewood. Without her, this show would not be possible. See you next time.